Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show, the big show, the most important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our vehicle. And we're in the old farm truck vehicle today, and we're driving. We're driving. And uh, we're talking about friends, and we're talking about one of our old frenemies today. That's right. And I, now, we're going to have to do a, do a caveat here. Because we've done several things so far on 3BY about our old frenemy, Autumn Olive. And frankly, a lot of people don't seem very interested in it. Which is kind of a shame, because it's one of the few easily recognizable, naturally, well, not naturally occurring or invasive, but... Me. Extremely uh, abundant. Extremely abundant. Easy to harvest. That is out there that absolutely nobody picks. And most people do not realize that they are, in fact, edible. Not necessarily delicious, but edible. Large it, chunk, chunks of the country have them growing roadsides freely, as we do here in Missouri. So what we're going to do, we're going to make this a little short podcast about autumn olives. Yes, we've talked about it before, but we're going to talk about it again because this is such a resource that is just totally ignored. And I think it's interesting. And it's also our frenemy because we like the berries, but we don't like the seeds. And the berries have seeds in them. So, pits, really, actually, is what they are. And, well, I guess they're both, technically. So, we're going to talk about autumn olives. We're going to talk about the pits. And we're going to talk about why we love them and hate them at the same time. We don't why the pits love, are the pits? I think love might be a strong word. No. We make some use of them because they're here. Yes. They're, they're like... They're like the Soviets were in World War II to the U.S., and the U.S. was to the Soviets. We're just, they're just handy to be, they're, they're handy to have around. They're useful for your purposes, but the minute you're done with them, they're your enemy. It's kind of like that. So that's what we're going to talk about. So I'm going to let Spice tell you what an autumn olive is, why we like it, why we hate it, and why we... Um, are really kind of on the fence about the whole subject. Autumn olive is a, a species of a tree that is native to Asia. <clears throat> Sorry. And some people imported it to the U.S. because they liked some of its qualities. Uh, it grows easily, rapidly, <laughs> abundantly. Aggressively. Aggressively. It produces an abundance of edible berries that the wildlife like. And that are pretty decent when eaten by people. So those are all its pluses, and those are why people uh, brought it in. And some people are still promoting that preppers plant it as a uh, food resource on their land. And, you know, you can. If, if The thing is, though, if you're doing a permaculture type thing and you're planting autumn olive as, your, as one of your main crops, I hope... You like it a lot. Because it's Cause all you're, you're about get. to have a whole lot of it. It's an invasive, which means it's one of those things that succeeded too well. It doesn't have its natural predators here. Oh, that bull so hates you. i got to take a picture of that bull. 
you go ahead and talk. I'm going okay. to back up and take a picture of that bull. That it, bull is it does so at me extraordinarily like. well in the uh, Midwest of the U.S., and I hear they also have problems with it out east and a little bit down south. Because once it gets growing somewhere, it makes these billions of billions of berries, and the birds like the berries, and they eat the berries, and then they go and they deposit the berries in a nice pile of bird poop somewhere, and you get new trees sprouting up. And more new trees and more new trees. They're an edge species, which means they like to grow in disturbed land, which means roadsides, or moderate pa- moderately bad pastures. They just get brush hogged once a year, like here we pass yeah, some we're more. Passing some of them. right now. Yeah. Just driving down a random. Well, while we do this road. podcast, we will be within twenty-five feet of certainly thousands, perhaps tens of thousands About of autobalos. Yeah. In the length of this podcast. So the problem is they spread so easily and so well, and they crowd out native vegetation, and then you lose the species that were there in the first place. So having some is not a tragedy. There's, in fact, one at the place that I let survive, mostly because it's in a place that's really hard for me to get to with a chainsaw, and it would be a dangerous place for me and try and cut the tree. So I'm going to leave it there, but I have killed all its offspring and poisoned their roots. Because if you don't do that, when you get autumn olive established, it will take over every bit of land that's not already forested in temperate woodlands. Okay, like if, these. if you are a Star Trek fan, the original series, we tribbles. can explain this to you. They're tribbles. They're tribbles. Without being quite as cute and lovable. Yeah, they're not, and they don't, hunt, they don't like buzz in your hand, and they're not so, yeah, they're tribbles. And the, the thing about tribbles is they don't come in dribbles or drabs. They come in boxes and barrels. And, and soon, soon the, the world, world narrows, narrows to nothing, nothing but tribbles in you. you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. <laughs> they are. Uh, That's the problem. And uh, as an aside, we are not Autumn Olive's best friends. But yeah. I can tell you who Autumn Olive's best friends are. Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy Every time you see Audubon, look for poison ivy. They I like don't the same kinds of habitats. Plants, but they like the same area. Uh, no, like... poison ivy's native. Hmm? Poison ivy's quite native. Yes, but it, they, they often appear... <laughs> Excuse me. They like the same habitat. Yeah, they like the same habitat. I, it's just, they just... So what you know, I it's went... coincidental, I think, but... Anytime you see Autumn you should look for poison ivy because they're, they're in the same... they got that semi-open area where there's no big trees. Disturbed ground. Yeah, disturbed ground, that kind of stuff. An so. early secessional species. There you go. So we were out at a local park today, a local lake, a very oh. underused resource. Yes, an underused park, which nobody ever goes to. Beautiful place, but uh, and uh, nobody cares if you pick an invasive species at this park. Yeah, you are actually welcome in state parks as well. In state parks, you can pick anything edible for your own use. Yes. You can't take whole plants, but you can take fruits, nuts, and seeds from anything edible or decorative for and your own use. And at least in Missouri, you're allowed to take clippings. Not the whole plant, but a clipping for your own use. Yeah. To regrow. As far as Adam Olive goes, nobody cares at all. No, so take, take, take all you want. <laughs> I was actually playing in my little boat out on the lake this morning. Little 
little lake out there. I was enjoying my little paddle. And there was an autumn olive tree, so before I took the little kayak out, Salty had spotted this when he was taking photos earlier in the week, saw they were getting ripe, and I stopped and picked, oh, about four cups of autumn olive, which took me ten minutes. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Hey. I've never actually eaten them before. Yeah. So, so we get a nice little batch. We're going we're gonna to experiment with them. She may, she may make some leather. I'm going to try a little leather. I'm going to try them in a couple other things. I'm going to dehydrate a few. The thing about See how them, it goes. The thing about them, first of all, let's talk about how you recognize Autumn Once you know what it looks like, there's no confusing it for anything else. It's got these little leaves, and they're silver on the bottom. So it's a very silvery-looking plant. You'll be driving down the road, and you'll see the silvery-looking plant. Especially well, when the wind blows, it, it's silver. Silver yeah. leaf is the other name for it. Yeah. Uh, it's, the leaves are green wind, on top, but they have a silvery coating on the underside. When the wind blows, yeah, you can really see the silver. And the berries come out in the fall. Usually they start coming out in August, but they could go uh, all the way into late September before they get ripe. It really depends. And you can tell a ripe berry from a not ripe berry because the not ripe berries aren't bright red. And the ripe, ber- the, the ripe berries are. Now, this year's our autumn olives, they're ripe, but they're very small because we had a very dry year. So that probably had something to do with the, <coughs> excuse me, health of the berries. The berries become bright. <coughs> Goodness, sorry. The berries become quite bright red when they're ripe, and they've got these little white spots on them. They're supposed to have that, and these spots are the size of a of a pinhead. No, no they're the, smaller the, than a pinhead. More like a pin, pin prick. prick. Yeah, they're a little bit tiny, tiny, tiny little white spots all over the little I think red my berries. Pins have smaller heads than yours do. Because I think they're about the size of a pinhead. They're, little, they're tiny little things. But they're all over the place. That's normal. That's what they're supposed to look like. Go to the story that accompanies this podcast, and we'll show you pictures. And some of them have the spots, because I just took the pictures while we were doing this. So, uh, they're pretty obvious. Now, they're kind of soury tasting. Both tart and astringent. Yeah, tart and astringent. I call them soury tasting. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, and we're going to try it this year, after the first frost, that it sweetens them up a little. So we're going to go out and pick some more after the first frost and see if that is actually a thing. That certainly works with many edible tart and astringent fruits like persimmons. Persimmons actually are good food. We had some persimmon trees where I grew up as a kid. But you absolutely do not pick them before the first frost because they are awful. Even if they look completely ripe, they are suitable only for throwing at your brothers. Not Quite that you, suitable for not that. Not that you ever did Or that. you take a little marker and you make these cute little pumpkins the size of half dollars. Wait a minute, wait, you threw these at your brothers? They threw back. <laughs> well, yeah, knowing your brothers. They started I, it. They probably throw at your brothers, too. <laughs> they are a bunch of... Persimmon throwers. Persimmon throwers. Yeah, we'll put it that way. Yeah. She comes from a crew. They're all like this. Every one of them. (laughs) But after the uh, first frost, they become quite edible. Still not my favorite, but still quite edible. Kind of like what they do with the the grapes up in, like, uh, places where they have an early frost. Like, say, for example, the Niagara growing area, the uh, Niagara Valley or whatever they call it. The they make bag. ice wines. Yeah, their ice wines are apparently to die for. 
they wait till the first frost or whatever, and then they, they harvest the grapes and immediately crush them into ice wine. They're like $45 a bottle ice wines, but they're, they're supposedly really good. I haven't had any, so... I actually uh, do that with my Concord some. I let some of them go until after the first frost because they really do sweeten up. But the Concords are so sweet to start with, I don't do that with much. I was say that. They're, they're pretty sweet already. Yeah, these uh, autumn olives are not as astringent and tart as persimmons are. They're quite edible right now. Not my favorite. Probably never be my favorite fruit, but a, a decent flavor. Yeah. Chock I, full of vitamin C. I don't really care for them as they are but i tell you what you would be eating some if we were living off nothing but rice and beans from stored oh, food you, you would your, by golly be eating you some bet of these your sweet bippy I, would, and I don't even know what a sweet bippy really is but you bet it i would be uh, hiding them in your food if i had to to get you the vitamin c because scurvy actually is a thing if you're trying to live off just stored foods and you haven't bothered to stock any things that are vitamin c sources I actually know somebody in the modern world that got scurvy from having such a bad diet. It's almost inconceivable that you could get scurvy in the United States in 2000 and probably 15 at the time. But this person got scurvy in the United States because this person's diet was that bad. So, yeah. it was all stuff that most Americans would consider quite normal food, lunch meat and cheese and crackers. There was and, no vitamin C in it yeah. at all. None. No fruit, very little vegetables. No vegetables. No vegetables. So No fruit, no vegetables, just meat and taters and stuff like that. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's a problem. So, I, actually, I absolutely do not recommend planting autumn olive. But if you are in anywhere near its habitat... You'll have plenty available to you should you choose to harvest some. And certainly I read a lot about various ways it can be stored, and I'm going to try them this year and see how it goes, so you'll get an update on that later. But they're easy to pick. Uh, A picking apron or a picking comb would make it faster because there are about a billion individual small fruits on each limb. And I didn't have any of the picking tools... Right. So although, I just, although they say one really good way to, and I, I haven't tried it, but one really good way to pick autumn olives is just hold the bag open and just take your take your hand and just swipe it down. the. If they're really ripe, they'll just come right off. Just swipe it down the leaves and they'll just come right off. That's basically what I was doing. I was sticking one end of the branch in the, in the open bag that was on my arm and basically just stripping my hand down and just wiggling my fingers a little bit to get all the berries to fall off. If I'd have had a bigger bag, I would have had to be less careful and... A little faster, but still, you know, I got four cups of the things in ten minutes my first time picking them. It's not like it's hard. So, they're there. They're available. They're a food source. You can do a lot of stuff with them. But I absolutely would not plant them. In fact, I have killed off the ones that were attempting to invade the place, except the one that's really hard to get to. And I'm going to be going by every year and making sure I kill off its offspring. So I maintain my prairie. Because the thing about it is a great food resource for wildlife once a year. But if you're actually going to keep wildlife, you got to have things they can eat all year long. And if you let these monocultures of invasive plants come up, even though they might be really abundant for a month or two, 
The critters got to eat all year long, and your wildlife populations will go way down. You need diversity to keep a good wildlife population and to keep healthy land, for that matter. And that is the big problem with the invasives that overgrow. Speaking of problems, I'm just going to be honest with you here. Keeping biodiversity and controlling invasive species in your perennial production is not nearly as exciting and fun to talk about as what kind of gun you should buy. Or which type of knife you should be using as your everyday carry. It's just not that interesting. But it's probably more critical. It's probably more important. And it's hard to focus on stuff like, you know, foraging and understanding what you can do with the fruit of this massively common invasive plant. That's much more important from a prepping sense than whether you should get a Smith & Wesson or a Glock. Because frankly, both are good. Both will get the job done. End of discussion. Okay. And the types of scenarios where people are low on money and and uh, could use some free nutrition are a heck of a lot more common than the types of scenarios where you need six different guns to shoot your neighbors. Additionally, keeping these invasive species under control and away from... Uh, areas that you want to have as a diverse food production area is very important in good times and bad. This is a a 24-7, 365 good thing. Having more wildlife, appropriate wildlife, I mean, we don't want to have... you don't want rattlesnakes nest under your porch. Appropriate wildlife (laughs) is a good thing. It's a really good thing. But it's just not exciting. So I want to commend everybody who's still listening to this podcast. Both you guys, rock on. (laughs) Because this is not that interesting of stuff. It really actually is. But only if you're a biology geek like one of us happens to be. Yeah. So, maybe. So, <laughs> is there anything else you want to add about Autumn Olive's The Update? Give it a try. It's out there now, probably somewhere near you. So, take a look at some pics online. That will help you. It's hard to get a, a mental picture of a plant so you can find it based on a verbal description. So, take a look at the pics and give it a try. If it's in your area. Like, I mean, if you're in... If you're in uh, it's not in the desert southwest. Yeah, I was say, if you you're know? in uh, Albuquerque, yeah, probably not. But I've, I've be seen a... the maps, and there's a bunch of it around. In oh, yeah, there is a bunch. But large parts of the country. 
you know, if you're in if you're in high Colorado country, maybe you won't find it. I saw a little bit out there, not very much. Yeah, I didn't figure that would be a but you know, certainly anywhere in the Midwest, anywhere in the uh, upper Midwest, south, east coast, uh, east coast, anything like that, California, you'll have it. Uh, Oregon, you'll probably. Oh my gosh, I can't. Yeah, they had it. Oh my gosh, I can uh, imagine. Check that on the map. Hmm? I saw that some on a spread map. Yeah. So, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you the next time.